Welcome to the L&D Career Club podcast, where purpose-driven people come to start and grow the L&D career of their dreams. I'm Sarah Canistra, an L&D career, business, and executive coach, and I'm here to take you on a weekly journey to create a seamless, energizing, and engaging L&D career blueprint so you can live a life of fulfillment, inspiration, and freedom. If you're here to find your first L&D role, move up the L&D ladder, or land that high-level L&D role you've been dreaming of, welcome to the club. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the L&D Career Club podcast. I am so happy to be with y'all today. And I'm so pumped for today's episode. Uh, it's so fun for me too because I get to work. Obviously, when I especially when I have guests on, I get to be there with them in that moment and ask them the questions and have these great conversations. But then I get to relive it when I get to go through and edit it and get it ready to go um, and to have it ready for y'all. So it was so fun to relive today's interview with Jessica Rivera. Y'all are gonna love her if you don't follow her already. I put all of her contact information in the show notes so you can can check that out. But Jessica is the mom of two teenagers, a rescue dog owner, but she's also the founder and CEO of the new job and notebook where she helps people embark upon their career adventure equipped with self-awareness, self-empowerment, and self-advocacy. So I know y'all are aligned with that too. So I'm so happy to have her on the show today. She's also a workplace learning and development professional with 20 years of employee onboarding experience across multiple industries. Jessica has worked for companies such as Advent Health, Baylor Scott and White Health, and Disney Cruise Lines. And right now she is currently the people and organizational development lead at WISE overseeing their global onboarding program. So Jessica has been in the L&D space and in the onboarding space for a really long time, came up with the concept and the company of the new job notebook, which we're going to talk all about in today's episode. And Jessica and I also have a really fun giveaway for y'all. So in the show notes, You can find a link to enter for the chance to win a copy of the new job notebook. I'm obsessed with it. I did a whole video on it uh, on my LinkedIn page. I I did a giveaway there last week. Y'all, this is like such a fun notebook uh, and and such a fun process. We're going to talk about it in today's episode, so you'll hear all about it, but such a fantastic concept. So inside of the show notes, you can find the link for the chance to win a copy of the new job notebook. We're going to pick a winner on Monday, September 18th, 2023. So depending on when you're listening to this, uh, make sure if you're listening to it before then that you enter because uh, you want to register by then. And we're going to be notifying y'all via email on ni- the 19th of September, 2023, if you won. So make sure to keep an eye out in your inbox for that. So I know y'all are going to love Jessica and love this episode. We had so much fun talking about all things onboarding from really focusing on how we can create better onboarding experiences. But a lot of what we talked about was how we can better onboard ourselves. And I know for many of you who are in a career transition right now, that's something that you're going to be gearing up to do very soon on whether you've been in the L&D field forever, or it's your first time or somewhere in between. Anytime we go somewhere new, we have that 
that angst, right? And what's so special about Jessica is she's here to help alleviate that a little bit and to create a, a framework. She has created a model to really help us onboard ourselves. And those of you who aren't in the process of career transitioning and you want to just be better at onboarding, this is going to be a really spectacular uh, model and notebook for you to think about introducing to your organization to help people help themselves too. So I'm super pumped for this episode. I will let you all fall in love with her as much as I have. Jessica, welcome to the L&D Career Club podcast. How are you today? I'm um, so great, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this conversation. I'm I'm so excited too. You know, it's we met each other in kind of a mutual networking situation in the yep. talent development think tank. And mm-hmm. it's been so great over the last couple of months just getting to know you. And I'm, I'm so proud and I'm so excited for, I don't want to like spoil, get, get too many spoilers yet, but I like what you've, what you've created. And I just knew as soon as I saw, I know we can kind of put it out there now, like this new job notebook, I was like, this is such an incredible, like, why isn't it, first of all, why hasn't anyone thought about this before? Um, <laughs> and second of all, like what an incredible resource, because so many people who are listening to this podcast are in some sort of career transition or thinking about their career in general in the L&D space. And, you know, I just think it's so special that you've really thought about that, that one part that probably the most important part of our, our careers when we start this new job. So I'm so excited to have you on the show and to talk all of all things onboarding and um, more specifically kind of our, our own roles and our on our own onboarding. But before we talk about all those things, you have such a impressive background in the L&D space. <laughs> oh, so you. I already knew this about you, but I was looking at your LinkedIn yesterday and I was like, oh my God, she's literally done everything, which is awesome. <laughs> um, and I feel that way too about my like my own experience. So I was like going through, I'm like, oh my gosh, I did that too. And then I bounced to that. So I, I felt uh, like a kindred, a kindred career, career <laughs> ex- uh, experience. Uh, game recognizes game. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So <laughs> you've done everything from being an orientation and billing educator and the healthcare space to leading trading teams, to doing project management uh, in the ID space. And now you are leading global onboarding programs for a fintech company. So talk to us a little bit about your own career journey and how you landed where you are now. Oh, gosh. Uh, thanks so much, Sarah. And it, it, it all happened in the blink of an eye, I feel like. But I mean, I, my story is not really unlike a lot of other people's in this space where it, it wasn't something that was intentional. I didn't go grow up saying like, oh, I'm going to be a learning and development professional when I grow up. And my mom and myself was thinking like, oh, I'll be a doctor. There was, you know, back then for me, it was doctor, lawyer, engineer, pick one of those three paths and that's where you're going. And so my undergraduate was actually in biology. And uh, by the time I graduated and came to the stark realization that I did not want to be a doctor, uh, I pivoted a little bit and I started working in in healthcare more on the business side. So I ended up getting my master's in health, health science, health service administration. And I was working in a hospital at the time, and and I was working in a revenue cycle department, billing, you know, calling insurances, telling them why they should pay the the claims for patients. And I, I was able to get this position as a trainer, and that for me was where the doors opened up, and I realized like, wow, this is a job I can just train people to do the job that. I didn't necessarily want to do myself, but <laughs> let me train other people on how to do this. And, uh, and I fell in love with it, you know, because I think that 
when I look retrospectively at what I, I pursued in college and where my studies, uh, where I focused my studies, I was doing things that I thought were the right path for me, just logically. But then when I really look at the activities and the things that I chose to do, my interests, you know, in college, I was an admissions officer volunteer. So I was giving tours to, to families that were thinking about going to this college or, you know, I was a freshman orientation leader. So I was welcoming new freshmen into this college. So it's like, it, 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 this goes way back. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I was, I was in, I was a biology major, as I said, and so I was a lab assistant. So then I was setting up the lab for classes to come in. You know, I was a, a student chaplain. I did a lot of social activities. Like I was a, an Alpha Phi Alpha sweetheart. I was in the International Students Association, even though I was not an international student myself, I just enjoyed meeting people from different backgrounds and different cultures. So all of those things, when you look at the the holistic view of it, it's like, wow, I was I was doing all of these activities and I was developing all of these skills that I use now as a learning and development yeah. professional. And I, I just didn't connect the dots or realize that that's what I should be pursuing. That's that's where I should lean into my strengths. And instead I was I was just going based off of, uh, I guess, the, the societal standards of what I thought was success, you know, as far as a career, like being in a, a professional setting of a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. And, and that really wasn't it for me. Um, so that's, that's how I ended up in, in learning and development. And like you said, I've, I've had the, the fortune of being able to really explore the full spectrum of learning and development from being the orientation or the onboarding facilitator to um, being able to develop webinars or to, to create e-learnings, to, to be able to do concurrent training, asynchronous training, um, being able to, to focus on leadership development, compliance training, I've done technical training, systems training, and then also being able to, to look more on the strategic side of things and really help um, partner with the business to determine what's the learning strategy, how do we make this into a learning organization, how do we really support people in their journeys. Um, so I, I've gotten a, a chance to, to really do it all, but my, my real passion has always been one foot in the door of onboarding and welcoming new people into the organization. I think that I just feed off of the energy and the, the enthusiasm and just the the wide open space that people have of starting a new beginning and where this might take them in their career journey. And so that's, that's something that's always just kind of filled my cup, so to speak. And, and so I've been in 13 years in healthcare, five years in the cruising entertainment hospitality industry with um, Disney Cruise Line. And then now the last two and a half years working for a fintech company, Wise, which is a global company that is fantastic and love the culture there. And this has been uh, where I've had the most I think kind of just fun doing what I do, uh, even though the whole the whole experience has been fun all, all along the way. I love that. And I think too, you know, something you said that really stood out to me is, you know, how from a society perspective, we're, we're kind of told like, pick this major, be this profession. And it's so like the antithesis of how things actually play out in the real world. You know, I think if you ask how many people actually like utilize their degrees or are, you know, are the jobs that they, you know, I, actually it's funny. I was just at a, a comedy show with my husband a couple uh, like last weekend or two weekends ago. And yeah. um, 
they were asking it was John Oliver actually and he was like asking people in the in the audience like what did you want to be when you were like 15 years old and he's like and what are you now and it's like of course like the complete the complete opposite right and so I I love that I that thought of you know, going back and thinking hey from from the beginning you know from even just being in college and I've had I've had people on the podcast too who were like yeah I was a I was 15 working at McDonald's and I was the trainer there you know and like that that's that, that never again occurred to them that that could be their full-time job, but actually thinking about, Hey, I utilize these, these strengths and these skills. And now when I look back, I was actually doing the job the whole, the whole time. And that's yeah. what I really found, found my, my interest in. And so I think that's, that's something that I focus a lot on with my clients too, is like, Hey, let's forget about titles. Let's forget about industries. Let's forget about all those things. Like what are the things you're actually doing that you love to do? And how can we then piece that together to, to find that role? And it sounds like you had that realization and, and part of that being that, that onboarding piece, which now that's what you do. You're the, a global onboarding lead, you know, for an incredible <laughs> organization. So I, I love that for you. And we're going to spend our time today talking about onboarding. I know that's an yeah. important piece and, and all of that, but, <laughs> and, and we'll talk about it from, from all different angles, but I love, I'd love to hear from you as the onboarding expert, how oh do you, that's what we're calling you, how <laughs> do you define onboarding? Because there are people, if you say onboarding, there are so many different definitions out there. So for the sake yeah. of our conversation today, like what is your definition of onboarding? Yeah, no, I mean, th I think this is an important question to, to have just so that we level set and and start off on, on a good foundation here. But I mean, traditionally, people think of onboarding as like the process of integrating new employee into the workforce, right? And to me, that sounds so sterile, so um, just kind of institutional, you know, robotic. And I think that really parallels this whole shift that's been happening over the last uh, couple of years now of, you know, do we call ourselves like human resources versus now people operations, right? And so rather than just looking at the admin or the transactional features of bringing a person, a new person into the company, how do we look at it more from a holistic standpoint? And so a lot of people do confuse like orientation versus onboarding, right? As an event of, you know, the first day that you're here, we introduce you, we give you your name badge, you get your laptop issued to you, you get your employee number, and then you, you get your access into the system and then off you go versus really having a, a robust onboarding program where it's really about the process and the journey of how do you really assimilate a person into the culture, into the fabric of the, the organization. Um, so I think all of that is, is really important to, to understand that when we're talking about onboarding today, I'm really thinking of it from the holistic standpoint. Uh, I think there's a lot of studies out there, and particularly you know, SHRM, Society of, of Human Resource Management, talks about like the four C's of onboarding, which are like compliance and um, clarification, which I think are the two that most companies tend to focus a lot of their time on in onboarding. But then there's also the important factors of culture and connection that are, are also hugely important that a lot of companies tend to, to miss the mark on. Uh, but I like to argue that there's actually a fifth C, which is confidence. <laughs> you know, and to me that that brings in the idea that are we really setting up a new employee to be confident so that they're thriving in this new in, in environment? Um, and are we checking in with them to see how this aligns with their own career journey of, of kind of course of, of where they want to go themselves? Because even though this is a, a new 
role for them, it's not always, you know, it, it's never too early, I don't think, to think about where is this this leading you? Is, there, is this a stepping stone to something else? Are there other skills or talents that you're bringing to the table that maybe we didn't hire you in for now, but is this talent for the future for us? So I think onboarding plays a, a really key role in all of that. Yeah, I, I it's so important what you mentioned too, that, you know, onboarding isn't an event. And, it, mm-hmm. and that's something like if anyone's taking anything away so far, uh, we have some more gems to drop, I'm sure. But <laughs> I, I, I think just remembering like onboarding is not an event. And I love how you talk about it in that holistic process and it being that that integration, that assimilation into the organization. And I am obsessed with the fact that you just mentioned confidence because that to me is the most underrated metric that we look at in I'm going to just going to say this in learning and development in general. <laughs> and, you know, I'm working on a, a, a project for a client right now. And so many of our metrics that we're looking at, it's for a, a new leaders program is confidence because really what, like, it's so hard to step into being a first time people leader and to grow within that. If you don't have self-confidence and if you don't, if you don't feel confident, right, you're not going to be able to exude that too. And a lot of that's, you know, self-trust and things like that. So I think that, that C is to me, honestly, one of the most important pieces. And, you know, you really can't get to that confidence piece without the other four as well. So I love that, that idea of how do we really create this more holistic process and program that helps someone just feel confident. Like at the end of the day, that's probably what we all want in our jobs is to feel that we're confident and to feel that we're contributing and that we're doing a good job and that people like us. Like it, it, it seems it's a, that's natural human instinct. And I love that your idea of onboarding really taps into the human side of things versus just like, okay, you check it off. You did your sexual harassment training. Amazing. You're onboarded. Uh, there's so much, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah. And I think it's also important to, to look at this from the perspective that these four now five that I've added this, this fifth C in here um, are the goals that we've looked at it from um, the organization standpoint, like these are our goals in onboarding, but I think that these are shared goals because the employees themselves also want these same things as well. So I think that another important um, perspective that we need to look at is making sure that we're, we're looking at these as shared goals, that these are not just things that we want to accomplish and we want to be the outcome in this onboarding process, but these are also things that any new hire would want as well to have. And so to partner with them and to, to bring them along as part of that journey, I think is, is a, a key um, way to, to make the impact of onboarding a lot more effective. Yeah, it's a two-way street. And yeah. we'll talk later, it's a multi-way street as well. But, you know, really keeping that that in mind that you know, the goals, the, we have shared goals. And I, I think it's easy to forget that sometimes too, especially if we're, you know, from an L&D perspective, we're under a tight timeline to create a new program or to get somebody onboarded. Um, but at the end of the day, we're, we're they're shared goals. And I think we look at it from both parties' perspective. It helps you to create that much more of a holistic program than it being so, so more like transactional, basically, which is what yeah. you were saying before too. So- Absolutely. I was listening to, I was on your website yesterday and I was listening to your, your kind of intro video oh and one of the things you mentioned, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, one of the things you mentioned was you know, a lot of uh, this idea for this new job notebook and for well, the process that you created, which we'll talk about a little bit later, came from your own experiences being onboarded. Uh, so I'd love to hear how your own onboarding played a role 
you know, in your time, you know, in your journey, I would say in your L&D journey. And, and if there's a specific experience that stood out as the best for you, we don't need to talk about the worst. We don't, well, you know, I'm sure we, <laughs> we've all had them. I heard you say like, I've had yes. good ones and bad ones, but let's, let we all take the positive route, you know, is, is you know, thinking about how onboarding's played a, a part in your journey and what experience has, has been the best. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll take the high road here. We won't call anybody out. Mm-hmm. But if <laughs> but, you want to know, DM her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, all of the onboarding experiences that I've had have been fantastic. I mean, I, I've been with the companies that that I've been working for for at least a minimum of, of four years. So to me, that that says something about the the commitment that I had. And a lot of that was based on the onboarding experience. And And so, I mean, an onboarding experience can really make or break anybody's overall success in a company. And, and I'm no exception to that myself. I mean, there's studies that, you know, up to 20% of turnover happens within like the first 45 days. So people can make pretty quick decisions on what their long-term future is going to look like at a company just based on, on those first impressions. And I think that's another reason why I, I love onboarding so much is because we have this really great opportunity and, and this responsibility to create the best impression possible to welcome a new person into into their role into this company. And so for me, uh, whenever I've gone into an onboarding experience, not only does it need to check the box for like those five C's that we talked about earlier, but um, it really does have to have a really strong and clear emphasis on the culture, on the connection and on the confidence in particular. Um, I mean, I remember the very first like grown up job that I had with Florida Hospital, which is now Advent Health. Uh, I I can recall and still tell you what the mission statement there is. I mean, it's to extend the healing ministry of Christ. It's something very simple. It's very powerful. It's something that that you're really keyed in on as an employee there. And for myself, also coming from a Christian background, that was something that resonated with me. And so I could see the connection there, and I could see myself contributing to this mission and and so to be able to have that connection on a personal level not just the business saying hey this is what our goal is but it's really helping to bring you into the fold of like hey this is what our goal is and i could see how i could impact the the bottom line i could see how i could contribute towards you know living out that mission of the the company you know and so that's super important to me that, that i feel engaged and that my values align with the organization, whatever their, their mission or their, their value statement is, um, so that I feel personally connected to that company. You know, Disney also has a very clear purpose statement for all of their cast members, right? It's, we create happiness. And I think that, that was the first time I'd ever been part of an organization where they really leveraged the emotional tie for, for the cast members. And it's such a strong culture at Disney, you know, that we create happiness and at any level no matter what job you're doing no matter what level role um, no matter what location you're in worldwide we all are empowered to be able to create happy moments for guests or customers or whoever it is that we're interacting with and by having that that really simple strong statement that you can always go back to 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 kind of be your north star right as an employee it, it really makes you feel like you're bigger than something other than just yourself, you know, and that's, that's such a powerful thing. And I mean, Disney is, is master, master of, of storytelling and, and emotions and creating experiences. And, and so they did that just with guests and also with their cast members as well. So, I mean, my standout onboarding experience, 
it definitely has to be hands down with Disney. I mean, Mickey Mouse came in. He gave I mean, you yeah, I mean, that, that, you can't, you can't beat that. You can't beat that. I, I mean, <laughs> how can you be like Mickey Mouse coming in and welcoming you on your first day, right? And so things like that. I mean, it's not just about here's your name tag, here's your employee number, you know, here's here's your your costume uniform, whatever. Have fun, go out and, and create happiness, but. It was really a matter of really being deliberate about creating this experience, tying it into to the employees and and really welcoming them. But, you know, now you get to peek behind the curtain. Now you're part of of the this this inner circle, so to speak, of we're the ones creating the magic for our guests now. And now you're part of that. And so, so that, special. Was, that was that was really something that I've taken with me. Um, that experience and, and just that really deliberate attention to details and how does this relate or how does this connect back to to the the employee you know how does this how do they take this and, and make this relate to the the role that now they're here to do that we've hired them in for um, so now with wise you know we've just redesigned our company onboarding experience as a matter of fact and and so we we kept that um, as part of our our lens of what does this experience look like from the learner standpoint? You know, we're not just redesigning our onboarding process because it's convenient or these are the things that we need to check off, but what's really the experience from their perspective if they're coming in brand new to this organization? What are those things that we really want them to key in on immediately? So that's those are those are the things that from my own experience and what I try to, to take out and, and put into the programs that, that I'm part of now. Yeah, that's so special. And I think, you know, it's so funny, as you were saying, you know, that you could still recite the mission. Like I, there's a companies that I work, well, I, a company in specific, but I, I still know the values, the mission, the vision. Um, it was probably helpful that I like trained people on that often. But uh, you know, one of the things that that company I worked for used to always say too, is that we don't hire people and teach them our values. We hire people that already share some of our values and maybe not the, all the okay. same one or the exact ones. And so I think a lot of successful onboarding too can be tied back to the hiring process. And so, you know, if yeah. we're going to have this culture led, this values led, this mission led, and let's say like, yeah, mission led, learner centered, you know, onboarding experience, are we actually hiring the right people for that too? So I'm sure, I know I'm kind of going off script here a little bit though, but I'm sure that that can play a part in making or breaking an experience too, if we're hi not hiring the right people who are, who are aligned with those values or, or truly understand how those values or that mission or that vision is tied to them being, being bigger than themselves. So I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's an important um, layer to, to explore. Uh, I absolutely agree with everything that you said, Sarah. I think that the other thing that to balance that out also is you know, are we also being mindful and being very conscious about any kind of like unconscious biases, right? You know, you're talking about like DEI, and are we just trying to hire people that we feel like is is a culture fit or that they just kind of have the same mindset or same opinions or thoughts that, that we do? Um, or are we really looking at those core values that we're talking about? Because you can have exactly. core values that are, are very similar but still have very different opinions, very different experiences, different backgrounds that you're also bringing to the table. And so I think exactly. it's, it's definitely a, a lot more nuanced and, and um, complex than, than just saying like, oh, you know, but do you have the same values? Great, come on board. Yeah, um, sign up here. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. 
Uh, but I mean, I guess that's that's definitely an improvement over like, do you have a pulse? Great, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which oh, you can warm can this seat for happen. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it's really important to to look at not only just skill, but you know, just the the overall um, values that that person has if they they are in line with what you're trying to accomplish as well as an organization. How can it be a really more of a symbiotic relationship, right? That we're helping each other, us as the organization. Um, but also from the employee standpoint, what can we do to help help them grow and help them develop in their own careers as well? And I think yeah. that that then ties into the ideas behind you know talent performance management and making sure that you know are we are we keeping uh, are we um, attracting and hiring in the talent, but also are we retaining and growing the existing talent that we have? Right. Yeah, it's one thing to break one thing to bring them in, but another yeah. to keep them too. Right, exactly. So I mean, I think it goes back to what you were saying about um, recruiting and, and hiring in the right people. But then once we have them here, how do we support them in the right way, get them to the right start, and then help them to grow for the future? Yeah. And kind of along those same lines, like if we're thinking about the company side of things, where where do you see most organizations or training teams going wrong when it comes to employee onboarding? Like, what's the what, what do you think? Like, what's missing? Well, I mean, I think that number one is that the the cardinal sin is not thinking about it at all, right? And really mm. undervaluing the the importance of having an onboarding program. And so I think the first thing, if I really think about it, there there are really three big buckets that an organization can go wrong. And in those buckets, there's just like a plethora of different things that can that can fall into to that, that could be its own podcast, podcast episode just I, about yeah. all the ways you could screw up onboarding. <laughs> I know, it's like the <laughs> minefield of screwing up onboarding uh so i mean the the first thing is in in planning and structure um uh, the second thing i would say is is around like communication and support around the onboarding program and then the third thing i think is just in overall just uh, the engagement and the adaptability of the onboarding program so if we if we think about the first one, so for, for what did I say, planning and structure, uh, to me, that would be not going beyond thinking of it as just an orientation or like we said earlier, an event. You know, I, I think that that's a huge misstep for, for organizations not to think of it in a holistic sense of this could take three to six months to a year to fully properly onboard somebody um, to have them be able to feel confident and, and to be thriving in their new uh, in their new role, or we could be overloading information. A lot of times we see onboarding as just kind of like, oh, this is the opportunity for for us to front load and check off that yeah, we gave you this information. Remember, this was in part of your onboarding program, and we're just throwing everything at the very front and not really thinking about is this the right amount of information at the right time for this person because yes all this information is important but you're not just going to to pull a matrix and download <laughs> the information instantaneously into an individual and then suddenly they're they're if only functioning. if only <laughs> yeah i mean who knows maybe we'll get there someday it's i like, know hey, watch out. all these things are <laughs> happening yeah um, so, I mean, those, to me, those are the, the pitfalls with planning and structure. The, the second pitfall that I mentioned was like communication and support. So not really setting up clear expectations or knowing who's responsible for what phase of, of this part of the onboarding for a new employee or, or understanding or leveraging the resources that the company has available to them and, and ignoring feedback. And I think the important thing is 
is um, sense checking and, and checking in, checking back with new employees and finding out, you know, this is how your onboarding experience was. How did that turn out for you? <laughs> Are there things that you feel like could have been differently, you know, done differently? Are there um, things that, that maybe were, were given to you at the wrong time, didn't make sense, didn't have enough context, and maybe we should have built it in, you know, later on in a phased approach? Um, so not um, taking in feedback, I think, is a, a huge miss in, in not really capturing that data and utilizing it. There's a lot of probably a lot of rich data and information that you can take back from that piece of it. Uh, and then the third thing, uh, the third big bucket that I was talking about was just engagement and adaptability. And I, I think that this is a, a big one and I don't want to make enemies or anything, but like lack of management and, and team involvement <laughs> with the onboarding process. I think that um, there are hiring, not all of them, but there are hiring managers that you know, are kind of a hands-off approach that like, okay, when they're hired in, they're going to go through training, they're going to go through onboarding. And I'm just going to show up when there is a fully baked employee that is ready. Like the to stork. I always team. called it the stork. Like, like <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm the stork dropping your baby off. Like you didn't yes. have to do any of the work. You weren't, you know, you didn't, you yeah. didn't have to do anything, but here you go. Here's your fully born baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I probably have to steal that one. Thank uh, yeah. So yeah. So it's the stork. We're the stork. Um, so having lack of manager team involvement, um, and then also like not adapting to a variety of, of learning modalities. You know, I don't want to get into like learning styles or, or things like that because there's there's a lot of research out there about you know there really isn't like learning styles. There's preferences and things like that, but um, not creating a learning environment that's conducive to to just variety and different ways of learning, um, and just not engaging the new hires. You know, we're doing things for our own convenience to be able to just kind of check off and say like, okay, we, we've done all the admin pieces, you have all your access, you have everything that technically you should be able to do a job <laughs> now here in this company, but not really engaging them in this process uh, so that they have full ownership of their experience as well. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I feel like there's probably people who are listening to this who maybe have built onboarding programs or about to build onboarding programs or gone through onboarding programs. And they might be wondering like, well, that that's nice if you have a big budget or it's not, you know, I'm a team, I'm a team of one or, you know, I heard here she worked at Disney, like they, you know, like, of course it, of course it's easy. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I would love to know, you know, cause I know that you've been on small teams and large teams and all those things. So I'd love to know the advice that you have in terms of, you know, how do we create those impactful onboarding programs and, and avoid some of the, you know, we, we can't be perfect, right? Like yeah. um, our onboarding is not going to be onboarding for everyone. That's, that's just the reality, but how can we start to avoid some of those pitfalls, especially if we're a low budget, especially if we're a really small team or a team of one, what is your advice in terms of that? Well, I mean, I think that the, the thing that I've seen that's worked really well is just being very deliberate and being very clear about what it is that you're trying to build in the onboarding experience. And so rather than just kind of going based off of our assumptions or, or what has traditionally been done in orientations or induction programs, um, but, you know, I mean, we're learning and development professionals. So we have, you know, the Addy model, we have like, instructional design methodologies. So use those things, right? And so especially for an onboarding experience, you know, I think the first thing is identifying and prioritizing 
what are those most critical components of onboarding that we as an organization want to highlight and we feel like are the must-haves for the first week, month, you know, couple of months for, for a new employee? What are those um, aspects of our culture that we really want to highlight and make sure that we're living out um, in this introduction to these new employees? What are the essential tools and resources that we're using um, at scale? What, what are the, the modes of communication that we leverage when we're interacting? Just kind of like the ways we work kind of thing. Um, how do we collaborate with each other? So really identifying and being very specific about what are those priorities that, that we want to make sure we're including in the onboarding programs. And then the second thing from that is setting really clear objectives for yourself. You know, um, objectives, objectives, objectives are so important because then that way you can, uh, you know, really write out like what is it that your outcomes are that you want out of this whole program, and then that way you can also start building in mechanisms for measuring it. And so if you're just building a program but you don't know what your objectives or your expected outcomes are, then how do you know you're successful? Or how do you know you're really hundred percent spending your focus on the right tasks or the right activities to enhance that program? versus just kind of spinning your wheels and adding things for bells and whistles, but it really is not having any kind of impact in the long run. So I think that that's super important as well. Um, another big thing is really leveraging the existing team that you have, especially if you're like a, a team of one. I think it's, it's, um, I don't know, it's like, like a martyr kind of syndrome that uh, as a learning and, a learning and development professional, we feel like we should have all the answers. We are the training team after all, right? And so then it's on us to, to be the ones responsible for creating this program and, and executing it and delivering it, but that's not true. And um, I think that being able to, to delegate or to um, pull in other partners and other stakeholders into this process is, is really valuable and, and super helpful. And I think that most everybody that you'd reach out to would be really excited and, and really enthusiastic and supportive about being involved. I mean, who doesn't want to be part of like a welcoming committee to bring in new employees. And uh, as I mentioned before, I draw a lot of energy and excitement myself from the newbies that come in. And uh, I think that it, it helps to just kind of re-engage and reignite your own passion for like, oh yeah, this is why I joined this company. This is why I'm part of this. And wow. being able to, to see that energy and that light, you know, go on for other people that are joining for the first time, I think is, is really something that, that you can harness. Uh, so make sure that you do that as a as a learning development organization within your team. Um, and the last thing I would say is just like focusing on on hands on experiences, really figuring out what are the best ways to engage learners. Um, so like as an example uh, for Wise, rather than just saying, oh, here's the history of our company, you know, in 2010 this is what we did, and then in 2013 this was a milestone that we reached. We created this activity in this game where we have just kind of little uh, place cards and we have them group into two different teams and depending on, on the dynamic of the group we might make it competitive uh, or we just make it collaborative you know we just kind of adapt where where it seems to make sense in the moment but um, we'll have them build out the timeline for the, the company and have them try to figure out like oh how do these pieces fit together and so it makes it a lot more cognitive it makes it a lot more hands-on it makes it um, stick I think a little bit better if they're the ones really you know putting their their hands on these different milestones and putting it in the right order versus us just kind of regurgitating it 
<laughs> to them, you know, and so then they're really able to, to get a, a little bit more of a, a complete picture and context for how we developed and, and how we evolved as a company. Um, we do the same thing with our products, you know, so rather than us bringing in somebody and saying, okay, well, here's our products, this is how it works, you know, we, we give them some presentation on it, but then we invite them to explore our intranet site and we ex and invite them to break up into different groups and then we assign a specific product to each group and then we say okay work in your group and then at the end of you know 20 minutes uh you're gonna pitch this product to the rest of the group and you know you're gonna sell Love us that. on why this is great <laughs> and then that way they're learning by teaching you know and then they're also hearing it from other people and and they're actively involved in the process versus just sitting in an auditorium style room and listening and watching the presentation of somebody, you know, just kind of talking through the information. So, um, you know, just finding ways to, to make it engaging and interactive doesn't have to, to cost any extra resources, uh, but it just is like the time and, and the thought to, to really think deliberately about it. Yeah, I love that. Two things that I wrote these down too because I didn't want to forget because two things really stood out to me what you said too. And one, which I think is so important is bringing in other people in the organization, even if they're not trainers or facilitators or, and I think we get to your point, like that murder syndrome. And it's also, I think that syndrome of like, well, we're skilled in learning. So we must be the only ones. And it's like, get over yourselves. <laughs> like we are not the only ones that can teach people things like relax. But what we can do is we can help create the structure. Like that really is our job, like is to create the structure around it. And what that does and what I found in my experience, it sounds like you too, is it allows people to 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 flex their own training muscle, their own facilitation muscle to for them to learn a new skill. Yes. So by bringing someone else in, you're actually doing them a service of stretching their skills and their capabilities. And we think back to when we recognize we wanted to be in this in this world, like maybe this is the thing that says, oh, wow, I want to coach more people or develop people or wow, here's a here, here's a new skill that I just now added to my toolkit. So remembering yeah. too that it's like by not asking people to help just because they're not trainers or L&D professionals, whatever that actually <laughs> means in the grand scheme of life, um, you're doing you're doing other people in the organization a disservice too. So I, I love that you you brought that in. And then the second piece too was the idea around active participation. So you do not have to be the sage on the stage spitting all the information right. all the time. That's actually not really at the end of the day, it's really not our jobs. <laughs> like yeah. they're, you know, we're, you know, we are, onboarding adults into an organization they know what's up they can read like they, you know that they, they, like if, if if you're going to be reading it to them you might as well just give it to them shoot it to them in an email right, right. so I love the idea of how email. could have been an email right like here's the timeline <laughs> of the company amazing move on but I love that you're bringing in and you had mentioned it too like that active participation and that doesn't cost anything it doesn't yeah. cost anything to have your learners your employees use new people to the organization be involved in their process. And in fact, that actually takes, it takes the load off of you when you are encouraging them to be in that active state. So I love, I mean, I loved everything that you said, but to me, those two things really stood out the most because, and, and, you know, getting over ourselves is the important <laughs> part there too. Um, but that helps, right? It, it, it allows us to see that like, we don't need a million dollars. We don't need all the technology in the world and you know, to make a great experience for someone really, it, it yeah. boils down to that at the end of the day. Yeah. 
No, and I mean, and, and you said it in such a, a great and like diplomatic way. From my standpoint, I also think of it a little bit selfishly in terms of like you bring them in who aren't in in learning and development normally, and um, then they see really like the effort and the the thought and the planning and everything that goes into it. Because um, I feel like as a learning and development professional, I had so many people like from the outside, quote unquote. Um, looking in that say, oh man, you have the best job. It's so easy. Like you just go in and you just get to be like so funny and, uh, you know, entertain people. And then you get to like, just send them back to their teams. And it's like, no, <laughs> right. <laughs> LOL. And I, I, yeah. And I mean, I, and I really think, and I just describe L and D to a lot of people in terms of, you know, I, I love metaphors and, and analogies and things like I think of L and D is really like putting on like a Broadway, musical or, or a play or some kind of theatrical production because the audience our learners come in and they just get to enjoy this experience but they didn't see all of the hard work and the curtain calls and dress rehearsals and you know, having a, a an understudy that has to jump in when somebody is suddenly like broken their leg or whatever and and the blood sweat and tears that go on behind the scenes to make this experience happen they're just coming in they're like oh this is great fantastic i give it uh, nine out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could do, I sheet. could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I could be on Broadway, please. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I think that, um, another great benefit of involving other people outside of the L and D function is so that they get an appreciation as well for the hard work and, and the things that we're doing and, and that they're seeing that we are thinking really mindfully about their new employees and, and how this is going to transition into getting them to, to productivity a lot faster in their teams. We're not doing this just to, to have a fun time and to be able to blow up balloons and, and have a celebration like, yay, you're here. But, you know, we're really thinking about how is this going to impact the bottom line at the end of the day? And that's what we're here for. Yeah, for sure. And I think like this, this is a good segue because kind of going back to the stork, like metaphor there right and I think a lot when it comes to onboarding a lot of people do auto default to it being mm -hmm. solely or maybe 90% of the training department or learning department's responsibility so I'd love to yeah. hear from you we've kind of touched on it in bits and pieces but who yeah. else really plays a part in that onboarding process to make it successful yeah no I mean I love this question because it, it, it is something that I, I looked up and I researched and I was like who is responsible for onboarding? You do a Google search and, you know, SHRM and other different um, resources out there will list the HR team or the people operations team. The training team is responsible for putting together an onboarding program. Senior leadership should be involved because they should um, kind of champion the, the, the importance of this and prioritize onboarding. The hiring manager should be involved. The team of the new employees should also rally around the person. But there's always one person that I rarely, I've maybe seen it mentioned once out of all of the research and, and searches that I've done on this topic. And nobody ever includes the employee themselves. <laughs> like the new employee Hello. is largely like <laughs> left out of the equation. And, you know, if we think about it, that's true. Like we've uh, traditionally looked at, at the new employee as really just kind of a passive participate, participant in this entire process. And really, from the observations that I've made, especially over the last couple of years, is that the, the average new employee that's coming into an organization is very different in their mindset and their approach than how a new employee came into an organization, you know, maybe a decade ago. 
where, you know, from, from my generation, not to age myself or anything, I came in thinking like, okay, I got a new job. I, you know, take whatever the company gives me and I put my head down and I grind away. I work really hard. And then at some point my supervisor or somebody is going to recognize my hard work and then I'll get promoted. And then that's, that's how this life cycle of, of how you move up in your career. Whereas now I've seen a lot more um, proactiveness in, in people coming into new jobs. I mean, the landscape is so much different now where you're not expected to really be a lifer at a company, right? I mean, you have options if, if it's not working for you, if you're not earning, you're not learning, then you can <laughs> go somewhere else. Bye. And yeah, and I mean, and that's, that's a fantastic thing that, that we have this, uh, this opportunity as, as employees to really take a lot more control over, over our careers and the trajectory of, of where we want to, to see ourselves grow um, professionally. And so where it relates to onboarding, um, a lot of employees will come in like, you know, okay, well, how do I progress? How, how do I get to the next step? You know, and there's a lot more um, initiative in wanting to, to drive that process. Um, and so I think it's really important that we really start considering and start making the, the new employee an active participant in this and get their input and also put a lot of the ownership and responsibility on them as well to to own own this this start of their their journey with the company and it feels good for them right so yeah. i think that's the other thing too where it's we've left them out of the process for so long and so no wonder why they're not feeling confident or they're not feeling right. productive or you know like because we've left them like they don't have any ownership in it and don't have any like sense of responsibility in it, not by any fault of their own, that it's just that the program hasn't been structured that way. So, right. you know, building, oftentimes we build confidence because we've completed things and we feel productive. And you know, how do we start to incorporate that into, into the onboarding? So that way that person can actually own their onboarding and be a part of it. And so it's, yeah. it's so cyclical in that sense too where we're like yeah. what you know why do they have all, why are they ready to it's like well did you you actually didn't involve them in the process so right. of course they're not ready to you know do whatever it is you need them to do because they weren't really an active participant in it they were just kind of shoved all this information by all the different parties right? I think everyone thinks their yeah. thing is most important Mm -hmm. And onboarding too, uh, every department says, you know, you need to know this and they need to know that and they need to know yeah. this, but what is it that they, they actually want to need to know to, to perform their, their yeah. role successfully? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. A hundred percent, Sarah. So, I mean, let's talk more about that role then. So like I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of people who are in the process of career transitioning who are listening. So we have people who are actively in L&D right now who are like, oh shit, I need to upgrade and update my <laughs> onboarding program. And then we have another group of people who are thinking, okay, wow, I'm interviewing right now, or I'm starting a new role, or I'm about to start a new role. And you created a model, is it called IOTRA? IOTRA? Yeah. How do you? Yeah. Okay. Either one. Okay. Yeah. I right. Okay. So I thought. Um, as well as the new job notebook. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about that model and how someone starting a new role can use it to set themselves up for success. Even if the company hasn't thought about them as an active participant, how can they really reclaim that and be their own active participant using this model? Yeah, no, I love this question. And and I'm so excited about this model. When I came up came up with it, I immediately thought like 
has nobody else ever thought of this? Like, let me look it up. Like, is there a Isn't model that the for onboarding? Yeah. Is that the best? You're like, I can't possibly be the only person right. who thought about this. Like, oh, okay. I am. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I thought of this model. So IATRA is an acronym, stands for individual, organization, team, role, and ambition. And so the IATRA model is really an individual-centered model for onboarding. And so when you go through, um, you know, the, the, the flow and the process of joining a new company, uh, I've seen just kind of this natural organic flow of, of the, kind of the easiest or the best way um, to, to go through information and to kind of use building blocks or stepping stones for you to, to get integrated into to all of the information that you need to learn right off the bat. And so first thing is starting off with organizational level. At a, at a whole, you need to understand like what are what is this company overall that I've joined? What industry is it in? What are the, the main products? You know, are these products that I would use? Are these things that I would um, recommend to my family and friends? Uh, what's the mission? What's the, the, the vision of this company? Um, how do they contribute to the community? So just kind of all these different questions of, you know, what are the basics, the key information about this organization? And then going into team, uh, you know, who is my leader? Who is my manager that, that's hired me? What is their management, their leadership style? What does success look like from their standpoint? Who are my colleagues or my team members that I'm going to be interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis? What's their role? Are we on similar um, positions or do they do something different and I'm relying on them for different aspects of my role? So just kind of getting a, a sense for like your more immediate surroundings. And then you go into your actual role. So what is it that I was actually specifically hired in for? What are the, the strengths that I'm bringing into this position? What are my, my responsibilities and expectations in this role? What's my daily routine look like? You know, what are the specific tools or resources that I'm using in order to, to meet my goals? Um, and so then that in itself is really in large part what most onboarding programs focus on is, is acclimating people into those three main areas. Um, but I've added this, this fourth area of ambition. And this goes kind of connected to the, the fifth C that I mentioned earlier in confidence. Like, do you really know yourself and, and where this fits into your overall career journey? Um, you know, as I mentioned before, it's never too early to think about, you know, where is this leading you? Where, where is your end goal that you have in mind? And is this role or the, the experiences that you're getting from this position serving you in that in that regard. And so there's a lot of reflective questions um, from that position there of, of ambition of um, what are the skills that I have now, but what are the skills that I would like to develop to get me to the next level or to help me continue to grow and develop and, and to be able to provide impact in this organization? And do I yeah. see a future with this organization? Which is such an important question to ask too, right? I think to your point earlier around the ways of working have changed drastically and no, yeah. you know, I always thank Gen Z for this uh, of coming mm -hmm. in and basically saying like, we're not married to you. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but I think if we create a really great atmosphere where people are growing and developing and they feel confident and they feel supported and they feel connected to the, to the culture and the values they will stay longer. I mean, that's just the, the the reality, you know, as long as they're, you know, paid, paid fairly and equitably and all of those things. But so there's a lot of, a lot of factors in there. People will stay longer and they will, they will be more loyal. That's just the, the reality of it. And I love how this model allows 
people to almost suss that out early on too. Like it's, it's great to be a part of your own onboarding. And it also, to me, it, it also helps to, to have that clarity in the sense of, Hey, like, how is this going to help me, you know, in my overall career, right? Not just right now in this moment, but as I think towards my future, you know, what, what is that, that ambition and and how can I utilize this in a way that's going to, to benefit me, of course, going to benefit the organization while you're there, but how can I utilize it that way too? And I, I love that ownership that it gives on finding this information and not just, not just collecting pieces of information, but actually seeing the bigger picture in it too, and and understanding with where they fit in with all of these pieces also. So it's to yeah. me, I loved it because it's not just a a checklist. It's more yeah. of that thoughtful process in terms of what, like, okay, this is amazing about the organization and my leader and all of that. And what does that mean for me? And how, like, how do I adapt to that? And how do I, how do I navigate all of this too? And so I, I really appreciate that about the model that it's it's so. I know we've used the word holistic a lot, but I, I I think it's a great word for this, that it just looks at, at your entire onboarding process from this lens of, okay, what are all these moving pieces and how can I put them together in a way that I can, can get clarity on what my purpose is here and what that means for me and the organization in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I feel like the IATRA model is, you know, to throw out another metaphor, you know, you can get there without the IATRA model. Uh, this isn't like the make or break for anything, but to me, it's like the difference of, you know, are you getting on a bus with a preset route and you're just kind of sitting as, as a passive passenger and you're just letting it take you down the routes and you have to kind of wait and figure out like, okay, which stop do I get off? You know, is this the right place? Versus, you know, jumping into an Uber where you've called them, you've told them exactly where you want to go, and you're really a lot more directive and involved in the process of getting you to from point A to point B a lot more deliberately. Yeah. And it's like, if you want to go farther, faster, and so yeah. that's how I say about coaching. I'm like, you, especially career coaching, like you can find your own job hundred percent. Right. Like sure. there's a zillion free resources out there, but if you want to go farther, faster, you know, having yeah. someone to help you along that journey. And I think that's what this, that's what this is. It's almost like your own personalized self-coaching model of yeah. how do we get you farther, faster, So you can feel productive, you can feel confident, you can feel that you made the right choice. I think that's a big thing for people too, as they're starting new roles, you know, like during the interview process, a lot of times you're charmed and you're charming, right? We're we're both, we're we're charming on on, on either sides there. Yeah. And then every organization has its realities. Like there's no perfect organization. I tell my clients that all the time, like every organization has its things. And Mm -hmm. I think being able to utilize this model to, to navigate through those as well and understand like your place in it. And, you know, is this a place I want to grow within? Is this a place where I'm happy just where I am for now? And kind of help suss some of those things out early on. So, you're not blindsided maybe six months in or a year in or two years in, you're getting all the information you need to make the best decisions for your career now in the beginning. And I love, I love that side of it. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. So in addition to the model, you (laughs) have created a new job notebook. So I, I loved how you had mentioned, and I like, I literally laughed out loud. I was watching your video about like, how we all show up to our every every new job that we have and we have yeah. a blank notebook. I was just laughing, mm-hmm. thinking about, I, I can't tell you how many like random notebooks. When, when we bought our, our, we bought our first home, which is this home that we're in, 
I have been schlepping just like so much <laughs> crap with me from like all my old jobs forever. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not bringing any of this like old energy into my new home. Yeah. And it was like all these notebooks from all my jobs were like one page was filled out or like half of it was <laughs> filled out or like, ran- like it was just like all this like yes. random stuff. And so I was laughing because I was thinking about all of like the millions of notebooks that I literally threw away. Um, and I'd love to hear from you kind of what, what, and you created this model, but then you also created this notebook. So what was really the the precipice for creating the new job notebook and how will it help keep new hires organized in their onboarding process? Yeah, I mean, the new job notebook, um, this new job notebook onboarding and onwards, uh, it's a guided notebook that I created and developed based off of not only my experience as an L&D professional, but as I mentioned, as, as you mentioned, also the, like my own personal experiences, like I also have just like a plethora stacks of notebooks that were blank and I filled them in as I, I joined new companies. And um, this notebook was something that I, I put together uh, because I thought to myself, there is this you know, with the model that I, I came up with, it, there is this flow and, and these pieces of information that are really important that I think transcends, you know, different industries, different roles. And so th- these are basics that anybody, regardless of, of what company you're joining, are important things to keep in mind to help set you up for success. And so I thought, you know, a lot of people are coming in with a blank notebook and it's great in the moment. I use them myself, but they get messy really quick. Or like you said, you fill in one page and then you're just like, okay, you, you ditch it and you move on to something else. Um, and it, it's not really easy to refer back to, to get information that you jotted down. Uh, I even tried bullet journaling. I don't know if you ever tried bullet journaling, mm-hmm. Sarah. I've, oh, I've tried everything. I've literally it, tried everything. But it, it's great, <laughs> but you have to be really deliberate about um, you know, setting up the, the formats and the templates for what you're taking notes on. And for me, it, I just got overwhelmed. It was uh, like, I felt like I wasn't creative enough to make really great like bullet yeah, journaling pages. It, it's, yeah, there's like a lot of like pressure to like yeah. make these to be a calligraphy artist. Like, like, I'm just trying to take some damn notes. Oh my gosh. Yes, I know. And so there was a lot of like anxiety and pressure for that. And I was like, I can't do this. This is causing me more stress than it's it's intended to. And so the, the new job notebook is is really a way that I, I wanted to help people to save them time and the anxiety of not having to, to worry about, um, you know, what is it that they're, they need to, to jot down in a notebook. Um, and it helps really keep you organized and um, get all of your information that you need all in one place in dedicated spaces. And compared to a blank notebook, this really just has everything that you need from a table of contents to a color edge index so that all the sections are right there for you to be able to refer back to in conjunction with those, um, those IATRA sections that we talked about earlier. So it provides like this space for you to learn about your organization, learn about your team, learn about your role, and then also a really great reflective section with guided prompts to help you think about your overall career ambitions, your journey, and how this fits into your overall career plans. And so that's that's really the, the reason why I created New Job Notebook is to hopefully just make it easier of a transition, a lot less stressful and help keep you organized. Yeah, it's and again, it's like you come with that that blank notebook and do you ever actually refer back to those things right so I think sometimes too it's like we bring our notebook and we're like taking notes and we're kind of like 
Okay, well, someone they're writing that down about the timeline of the company. And like, I'm going to write that down about the timeline of the company. It's like, are you ever going back and like, let me read about the timeline of the company? It's like, no, you're yeah. not. But I, what I love about this is that is that it is actually something you can go back to it. Like you will go back to and refer back to as well. So it's, you're not just taking notes for the sake of taking notes that there's an intention right. behind it. And I think yeah. that, that also is like, to your point of like the bullet journaling, what do I write? What should, what should I be taking notes on? What, you know, it, it can be really, it can be really overwhelming as a new hire of like, well, what, what do I actually need to know? And what will I actually refer back to? And this is creating that really simple way for them to have something that like, this is something that you can, can have, you'll have with you your entire time at that organization. And then you get to fill out a new one when you start your, you know, your new job at a new company, or maybe you're getting a promotion, right? You're kind of go, right. going back through the the models there too. And so uh, that's what I love about it as well as like, it, it's almost like you're like your, it, it grows with you, uh, yeah. you know, throughout your, your time there. So I, I'm so excited about people getting their hands on this and we'll talk about a little giveaway in, in just a minute, but yeah. um I want to kind of end with that. You know, I was on your website and I was really taken aback by your mission uh, in a great way, not that way, <laughs> um, because I thought it was just so beautiful. And you said, you know, your mission is to inspire everyone starting a new job in an office or professional setting to embark upon their career adventure, which I love that word, yeah. equipped with self-awareness, self-empowerment and self-advocacy. How does having those three things from the beginning impact someone's career journey as a whole? Why why did you settle on on those three things that you want them to be equipped with? Yeah, no, I mean, I I thought really long and hard about like, what is my purpose? And what is it that I I really want people to, to get out of their experience using New Job Notebook? And for me, those three things are are so critical at the start of your journey because it really sets the tone and it really sets the mindset for yourself on what it is that that you want to attain in this experience and and making sure that you're utilizing your time to the best of of your ability, right? So with self-awareness, it's really about understanding your own strengths and weaknesses. What are the things that you enjoy doing and how can you leverage and lean into those things into the the role that that you're in? it's about developing flexibility and a growth mindset, you know? So if you know yourself, then you can then take those steps to improve in the areas that you want to improve in or, you know, come to terms or, or make peace with, you know, areas that maybe this is never going to happen for me. Like I hate math, so I'm not going to be an accountant, you know? So let me lean into these other strengths that I've identified and, and really fit my, my passions a lot more, you know, with self-empowerment, it's about owning your journey and, and being involved in your onboarding process. So like we were talking about before with um, just boosting your own confidence. If you are coming into a situation with somewhat of a, a roadmap or a plan of here are things for me to, to t- keep in mind and to think about, then you're not going in completely blind with a blank notebook and not knowing what, to, to, what direction you need to focus on. So this is all about like self-empowerment and, and allowing you to be able to take initiative and know, okay, here's the path I want to go down or this is not an area that I'm interested in. Um, and then with self-advocacy, it's, it's about the longer term, like the career development, um, being able to build your brand and to be able to build your influence immediately from the start, you know, being able to come in as, um, as a new employee that, that has confidence in knowing who you are as an employee, what you're bringing to the table, 
and where you know you're you're willing and wanting to take your your career in that company i think is so important to be able to to have that that empowerment and that self-advocacy to speak up on those things and so the last thing is to be able to document your progress so um nobody is going to be sitting there thinking like oh this is what you were able to accomplish you know nobody's really keeping tabs there's so many things going on the environment and the speed of things is is happening so fast in a business that you're really responsible for knowing your own progress and making sure that you can talk about your growth you can talk about your impact and you can feel equipped going into your performance conversations with your leader and saying hey here's here's what i was able to do here were my goals and this is what i was able to accomplish and so being able to have this new job notebook to document those things really i think helps with with that self advocacy yeah and i know too it's like especially what probably when you're i haven't I haven't had a performance review in a very long time, but I think when you are a new employee and you're having your first performance review, I think that can be a really unsettling time. Uh, sure. I think being able to have this to go back to, to have that self-awareness and to that reflection of, okay, wait, I did do these things. And I like, mm-hmm. I, I'm very aware of, of what I've been able to accomplish. And then the empowerment piece too of, wow, like, okay, this is the, like, look what I've done on my own and how much I've accomplished in this, this certain amount of time. And then being able to take that and go advocate for yourself is incredibly, incredibly important. And I think it's something that usually at performance review time, especially your first one, you're like, oh shit, what, like, what have I actually done? Like I, you know, and your, your brain all of a sudden goes blank. You're like, I know I've been working like 40 hours a week for the last several months, but like, what have I actually done? And I love that this is just kind of that, 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 Bible almost, right? Of like, hey, here's your, here is what you've done, this collection of all of these things. And you now, it, it just creates a much more seamless process for you to be able to advocate for yourself and, and to showcase your, your skills and abilities too. So I love that you've put so much thought into not it, not it, and not just being something that they're going to use their first week or their first month, but really be able to carry them throughout their career evolution inside of the organization too. So it's super, super special. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, we are going to do a giveaway of one new job notebook. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes so uh, people can access that. Um, I'm not exactly sure when this podcast is going to come out probably in the next couple of weeks based on what, what we talked about earlier, <laughs> but I will put in the show notes kind of the the dates of the, line, yeah. uh, the timeline of submitting that, but we are going to be giving away one new job notebook. So super excited about that. So if you're interested in snagging your own, uh, go to the link that's in the show notes to enter that. Um, but for everyone else who doesn't win, where can <laughs> people buy the new job notebook and where can people connect with you? I know after this, people are probably going to want to just be in your presence because who wouldn't want to be, Uh, but where, where can people buy the new job notebook? Where can they learn more about you? um, And where can they connect with you? Thanks so much, Sarah. So new job notebook is available on Amazon. There's a link to it in my website, which is newjobnotebook.com. I also am on Instagram, on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, at New Job Notebook. Uh, There I post tips and tricks, uh, insights and best practices for starting a new job, as well as uh, different ways, examples of using New Job Notebook itself. So you can see examples in there. And otherwise, you can also connect with me through the contact form on my website, newjobnotebook.com. Or also, I'm more than welcome, more than open to, to connecting with people on LinkedIn. 
Awesome. I will link all of those uh, in the show notes Thank as you. well. So everyone can, can find all the amazing ways to, to connect with you. Um, Jessica, I want to ask you one last question we can leave people with. What is your number one piece of advice for a new L&D professional starting their new job? Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, you know, I, I suffered a lot from, from um, imposter syndrome myself, and it took me a long, long time to get over that. And so I think that my best advice just from, from my own experience is to have more confidence in yourself, you know, know what you bring to the table, um, have that self-awareness to understand your own skill set, and know that you do have an important voice at the table. And so not being hesitant or, or anxious about throwing your ideas out there, because there's no right, right or wrong answer for, well, maybe there are wrong answers, but <laughs> there are definitely different ways to achieve outcomes. And so any, any idea at least helps lend to the process. So uh, my biggest thing would just be to, to have confidence and know that you know, as long as you're, you're continuing to learn and grow, then you're on the right track. You're not comparing yourself to anybody else, but just being a better version of yourself each day. I love that. And get the new job notebook. <laughs> <laughs> and get the new job notebook. And get the new job notebook. Oh my gosh, Jess. So this was such an amazing conversation. I feel like we could talk oh, about, yeah. I feel like all, each of these questions could probably be like their oh. own podcast episode that we could dive into. Maybe they will be. Yeah. Um, oh, so <laughs> I tried to rein myself in as much no, as possible. No, <laughs> no. This is definitely not the last time we're going to have a conversation about onboarding and owning our own onboarding. And I'm excited too, uh, since this is a new product that came out that I know you're getting feedback and seeing people use it, you know, in, yeah. in the wild right now as well. So I'd love, you know, in, in a little bit to have you come back and we can kind of talk about how people have been utilizing it um, in different ways for that. that. So I'd love to have you back, but thank you so, so much. Um, again, everyone, all of Jess's information is going to be in the show notes, as well as the giveaway we're doing for the new job notebook. So check that out, Jessica, thank you so, so much. And I can't wait to see all of the amazing things that this notebook is going to bring to the world. So thank you for everything. Oh, thank you, Sarah. This has been amazing. I've loved the conversation and this totally made my day. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the L&D Career Club podcast. If today's episode sparked anything inside you, I would love to hear about it. Feel free to share your ahas and takeaways by sending me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram or by leaving a podcast review. And if you want more support on your L&D career journey, I invite you to join us inside the L&D Career Club membership, where we are redefining what it looks like to grow in your L&D career. Visit theovernighttrainer.com slash programs for more information and to activate your membership. See y'all back here next week.